Um, as she said, I'm Chrissy Billman. Um, I have been married to my high school sweetheart um, for almost 10 years now. We have three children, Landry, who's six and a half, our son, Colson, who's four and a half, and our um, sweet little fireball nugget, Ellie, who's a year and a half. Um, they were all born in April, so they all just turned half birthdays um, within nine days of each other. So if you can just kind of think about that for a moment, it is literally Christmas twice a year. Um, so we buckle down during that time. Um, <clears throat> Today, I get the privilege of talking about considering others. Um, If you had asked me five years ago if I knew how to consider others, I would have told you, like, absolutely. Like, it is a gift that the Lord has given me to love others, um, to serve others, and I just love doing it naturally. It comes to me. Um, It didn't take me long, though, um, to realize I actually was missing a lot of key parts when it came to considering others, especially when it came to crisis. Um, When I was pregnant with our first kiddo, Landry, so seven and a half years ago, um, I was really sick. And I know that some of you have struggled with the same thing, just the perpetual vomiting through the whole pregnancy. Um, That landed me with home health at home and an IV pole that I would push around the house just to get fluids in me because I wasn't able to keep anything down. Um, They gave me a Zofran pump, which is anti-nausea medication that um, would just continuously be put into me for seven weeks just so that I could just do the everyday functions. So that was Landry. Landry came. She was my biggest baby, believe it or not, my first one. She was super healthy. And immediately everything went away. And I'm sure all of you have experienced that if you had a troubled pregnancy, that as soon as that baby comes, you're like, thank you, Lord. This is what makes me think I can do it again, right? So getting pregnant with my second, about a year and a half after that, um, all the symptoms came back. So the vomiting started, and I just thought, here we go. It's just me. It's just how my body handles these sweet babies that, the, that God's given me. Um, at about 14 weeks with him, I started having headaches. Kind of talked to the OB about it. She chuckled, and she goes, well, just preparing you for the teen years because they give you headaches when they're teenagers, so they're giving you headaches now during your teen weeks. So... Um, but here's a medication that'll help you get through. And so take this and we'll just, we'll, we're going to get you through this. Okay. And so after actually three hospitalizations on that third hospital stay of profusely vomiting and um, not being able to keep any fluids down, she finally said, headaches have gotten to be too much. Um, at that point in time, I'd seen two doctors for vertigo. So my world was spinning. I couldn't walk down the hallway in our house without holding on to the side of the wall. Um, I no longer could drive, so my mother-in-law would drive me everywhere I needed to go with me and my almost two-year-old. And so she ran the whole gamut of tests for everything you could think of. On the third, I was going to be discharged on Friday. She already told me, you know, like everything came back just fine. Let's just get you through this. You're 34 weeks pregnant at this point. You don't have that much longer. You can do it kind of deal. So as she is getting ready to wrap it all up, she goes, you know, let's go ahead and get neurology in here. Let's just have him come in, take a look at you, see what he thinks, and then we'll we'll get you out here as soon as we can. So he comes in and says, let's do an MRI. Why not? Which, of course, I'm like, what a waste of time. I'm I'm 34 weeks pregnant. This is all going to end. I know it will. Like, let's just get me to the finish line kind of deal. 
So I actually send my sweet husband home, who had been with me at the hospital for those three days of tests. And he works here at Watermark. And I, I distinctly remember kind of chuckling and being like, I literally will have my bags packed and I'll be outside of the building on the curb and you can just come by and pick me up. Like, it's going to be no big deal. Let's just, let's just get going kind of deal. So he goes into work. And as I'm sitting there waiting for the discharge paperwork to come, the neurologist comes in and he says, hey, can I talk to you about your MRI? And I'm thinking, yep, sure, let's, let's go. Let's get this going. I'm ready to be home in my own bed in the hospital. And so he sits down and he pulls up my scan of my brain. And I look at it. And it's not normal. He points out that there's a tennis ball-sized tumor on the back of my brain. Y'all, like a bomb had gone off in that room and I was alone. I share this story with y'all because there are so many things that we learned through this experience that we didn't realize that we were doing when others were going through the same thing. We all know somebody that has gotten a diagnosis that we don't want, cancer. A child that isn't going to make it full term. We've had the phone call that there's been a tragic accident. This is not new to us. But if we can better equip ourselves to love those that have these in our lives... Man, it'll be incredible to see the, the body that God gave us being the hands and feet of Jesus. There are three things that we found during this time that we love to share with people. My husband gives us talk all the time. This is my first time, so of course I'm a little bit more emotional. Um, <clears throat> the first one I want to share with you all is just show up. There's so many times I hear people that'll tell me, we just want to give space. We just want to give them space, or we want to give you guys space. And let me tell you, in that moment, that is the last thing we wanted. A sweet friend of mine had a horrible news told to her three weeks ago, and she told me, and she goes, I know you know this, but I don't want to be alone right now. And I thought, I get it. Show up. That can look so different. That can be physically sitting there with them. That can be putting a grocery bag full of groceries on their doorstep. It doesn't matter if you know what they like or dislike. Having a Starbucks drink, sitting at the nurse's station that you don't even have to see him for. Love you, praying for you. Here's a verse. Y'all, we had people mowing our yard. We had people paying for maids, which as a mom of a little one, that was amazing because that was the last thing I was thinking about is how dirty my house was. Um, People doing laundry. Didn't think about that one. My husband's still going through laundry. I might be in a hospital gown, and I have an 18-month-old who also has laundry. Childcare, that was a huge one. People coming out of the woodworks going, can I take your 18-month-old, even though I already have a newborn and 18-month-old myself? Let people tell you if it's a bad time or not. They'll let you know. But the worst thing you can do is not show up. The second thing is... Resist the urge to use these cliches. The first one is nothing can compare you for this. I'll be honest, nothing could prepare me for somebody saying you have a brain tumor. That's true. I didn't think that was going to be part of my story by any means. 
but I absolutely was prepared. I was prepared for the storm that was going to come. I had been in God's word for years. I had surrounded myself with other believers that had the Holy Spirit. So when those lies started to creep in that I'm alone, that God doesn't care, that he wouldn't let this happen to me, that they were there to speak truth. That hospital room was not the time that I figured out my theology. I already knew it. So I absolutely was prepared for the storm that came. The second one is that God won't give you more than you can handle. We kind of almost chuckle about this one in our house because we think of the story of Daniel in the Bible, right? So Daniel is told you can't pray to your God. You can only pray to King Darius, and he disobeys. And so he gets thrown into the lion's den. And I could guarantee you Daniel didn't get down there and kind of scratch his chin and go, I've trained with two hungry lions before, but there's four down here. I think I can handle this. That didn't happen. He saw those hungry lions and went, this is more than I can handle. I can't handle this. But God can. So resist the urge to tell people that he won't give you more than than you can handle. The third one, and I am so guilty of this, so I am self-admittedly saying that I have to remind myself of this over and over and over again, is telling people, you're in my prayers or I'm praying for you rather flippantly. It's that moment that you're passing somebody in the children's building or at your school and you go, I totally forgot I said I would be praying for them. And so you kind of throw it out there as like a, hey, I'm thinking about you or I know I should have been praying for you, but I haven't been. Let me tell you what really matters. Instead of saying that, stop right then and there and go, hey, I want to pray for you right now. Two sentences. Doesn't have to be profound. Two sentences. Texting somebody scripture instead of, hey, I'm praying for you. Texting them, what are you praying? Praying for peace and comfort. I'm praying you feel the Holy Spirit today. That God's people would be the hands and feet and you'd see that. Voice texting is huge. We use Voxer in my community group. Voice text a prayer. Again, it doesn't have to be lengthy. It doesn't have to be profound. It can just be something simple. But that means so much more than you're in my prayers or I'm praying for you. The third thing and final thing is finish the story. I still go through times of obviously crying when I talk about the story. I can't wash my hair without feeling the two scars that run literally all the way down my skull. I think about it constantly. My son is a constant reminder of what happened. So be prepared to be in this for the long haul with those in your life that have this kind of situation or diagnosis. My husband and I often will refer to when the camera crews leave. Because we all know that when that moment comes and they get the diagnosis or that the accident happens or somebody dies, everybody rushes in to help, right? And then slowly but surely as time goes on, people start backing off. Their lives are busy too. Be in it for the long haul though because I guarantee you six months out when nobody's around is when it gets really hard. Those are the times that people need you to step in. How are you doing? How's your thought life? How have you been feeling about all this? A huge one is to remember anniversaries. I was blown away by how much it means to me that people remember what happened and when it happened. 
So we joke around, all of our kids are born in April. Well, guess what? April 19th is brain day. We call it brain day. I've had cookie cakes that are huge with big brain icings all over it. I've had Mady Cisco for my first anniversary making individual brain cookies. Um, probably one of the funniest ones, we didn't eat it, but probably one of the funniest ones is a girl in our community group in November found an on sale mold, it was a jello mold of a brain from Halloween that she kept until April and then brought it out on a platter on April 19th. It jiggled, it was hilarious. But remember those anniversaries. They're not forgetting. And by you bringing it up, it's not bringing up their pain. So often we think we don't want to say anything because we don't want them to hurt. They haven't forgotten. The pain hasn't gone away. But how much it means to people to remember. Hey, it was Abel's birthday today. I'm thinking about you and praying for you. We celebrate the life that he, that he had here in the 17 days. That's huge. She didn't stop becoming a mom. So remember those anniversaries. Put them in your calendar. The reoccurring ones. As you guys can tell, I am still here. By God's grace. Um, What was a nine-week plan to get me to full term? So I was 34 weeks pregnant. Get me to full term to at least 38. Have a C-section. Heal for six weeks. And we're going to go in to remove the tumor. This is the kind of tumor, guys. It was my neurosurgeon sat me down and said, here are your options. You either operate and live or you don't and die. That was it. So we had no choice. So that was on a Saturday. That Tuesday, we said no more. My son came emergency C-section that day, and I couldn't even make it to that next Monday for scheduled surgery. I ended up collapsing that Sunday. And what was going to be just to relieve, uh, to relieve pressure on my brain turned into, we relieved the pressure. There might be so much damage, we can't get her to move her left side at all. We have to go in now. So they removed the tumor. <coughs> Thankfully, I don't remember any of this, y'all. My husband, poor thing, was signing do not resuscitate orders, that he won't sue the hospital, all of those things. And so this isn't just my story either. It's his. It's our families. And so remember that too as you're going through to remember that the other, there are other people that are also so involved in this that it's not just that one person but everybody else. Man, we are so thankful that this is how God wrote our story. While it wasn't what I wanted, he was so gracious in the outcome. And that's not true for everybody. And so as y'all break out, be thinking about those people in your life that you go, man, I've really missed the boat here, but I can start today. And take those moments and start living them out, just as Mandy said, being the body of Christ, being doers of the word. Um, I think Mandy's going to come up, and um, y'all should have received a handout. Was there a handout, Mandy, with resources? No, the resources one? Okay. Perfect. Thank you. Y'all give Chrissy a hand.